This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Hey, this is Casey Shearer. And this is Ray. Do you like pop culture? We're pretty sure you do. Then come on over and check us out at deluxeedition.show. You will not be sorry. Or maybe you will be. I don't know. Attention. The Milf and Me podcast contains strong language and open conversations about sexuality, a multitude of lifestyles, and occasional conversations of political fuckery. Your hosts, Antonio and Diana, are not certified relationship therapists. We are cynical assholes with microphones, pretty much like every other podcast. We are happy to be a part of the Deluxe Edition Network. Make sure you check out this month's featured shows, the Metalhead Journeys podcast, and our show, The Milf and Me. So now with that out of the way, enjoy the show. Have you seen the whole trad wife thing that's going on on TikTok right now? It's like... If you are not familiar with the term trad wife, it is a woman who chooses to live a more traditional life with ultra-traditional gender roles. So the man goes outside the house, works, provides for the family. The woman stays home, and she's the homemaker. She takes care of the home and the children if there are any. And men are fetishizing her. It's that one thing of, like, traditional women who are nurturing, stay at home. She's got, like, the whole you know, blouse and robe on, and she's got the little bonnet and everything. That's cute. And guys are fucking going <laughs> crazy for it, because it's like, dude, this is what we want. Is it? And welcome to the Milf and Me podcast. We have a very special guest today. Returning to the show, our friend Mariah, formerly the host of the Salty, Salty Sex Cast. Yes. And on to other things. Thank you so much for joining us again. Hey, thanks so much for the invite. It's so fun. You're scratching that itch of potting and um, really talking about sex, what I'm most passionate about, right? <laughs> so it's, a, you know, it's been bittersweet time, but... Gosh, I can't believe it's already been over six months that I have stopped my pod. Yeah, like when we had you on, it was literally the last week that you were doing your show. And bittersweet, but moving on to like bigger, better things. But you've been able to stay a little bit in the realm, guesting on other people's shows, including ours. So thank you very much. Yeah, I still have, you know, like one boob in the pod world. No, I'm just kidding. You know, like some people say they still have a foot in there. Um, I still really, really love to communicate with people and podcasting is such a great way to do that and spread messages that you want others to hear. And so it's super fun when I get invited. I have said yes every time. Now I have that flexibility before I would say no to so many people because I was doing so many other things. Doing your podcast, guesting on other people's podcasts and expanding your horizons, learning more about the things you're passionate about. And I mean, the whole goal for you is you are making a career out of this. You are doing things to not only extend your education and your know-how, but you want to be a professional helper and coach and counselor. And that just doesn't happen by watching internet videos like (laughs) we do. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. So I've been able to get a second master's degree in less than nine months. 
So like that, that I was working about 70, 80 hours a week before. Yeah. So there was a whole like this winter and uh, definitely spread me too thin. And I was like, you know, the lowest hanging fruit, unfortunately, is the podcast right, right now. Um, so still so happy to do it. Still so happy to. And I still coach so many people and other things, just different, different realms. So you are helping us out while Diana takes her sabbatical, being the guest MILF on a few episodes. Mm -hmm. And I'm really excited about this because these were subjects that I wanted to talk about Diana, but Diana was actually like, we should bring on Mariah or someone else to talk about these too, because she, as you probably heard, she's very open-minded, liberal, left-leaning, like a lot of us are, but she does have a lot of traditional tendencies where she's like, if I could, I would love to be the housewife. I would love to take care of a man and a family and stuff like that. But she doesn't want to exist in the middle. You know, she either wants to be boss babe in the sense <laughs> of like, I want to own my own empire, but not really yeah. have the attitude or I want to take care of somebody. And I feel in this society, we really exist in the middle, mm -hmm. you know, because we kind of have to. It's just the way that the economics have been designed. It's our modern culture. It's our modern culture. Like it's really hard to have not both people in the relationship work. That doesn't matter what gender role or what dynamic. If you are cohabitating with a person in this day and age, like you're literally both bringing money to the table. Mm -hmm. But this is something that's popped up over the last couple of years. This trad wife movement. Did you know much about this or heard much about this until like we started seeing it on social media? Okay, so <laughs> moment of honesty. Yeah. I completely cut myself off from social media after I pod. Uh, you like were telling I, me yes. this last time. Yeah, I just needed to like refresh. And so when you sent me these notes and like, hey, we want to talk about this. I was like, I don't even know what this is. Like <laughs> hashtag tradwife. And then I was like, no, I know exactly what this is. Um, it's very, very interesting. Yes, you're going to see it most on that like other side of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a very, very outlying mm -hmm. thing. Um, and I have a lot of personal beliefs and stigmas around it. I will be very honest. I'm very That's biased. That's why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to check my bias. So I did research on it. When you sent me this, I was like, oh my gosh, rabbit hole. And right. I did a lot of actual research on life satisfaction levels and income bases and all sorts of things. So we can go into some of my own personal beliefs, but some of like what just research tells us too. Right. And I think by by now, most of the listeners of this show know that we are based in Salt Lake City, Utah, mm -hmm. one of the most conservative white cities in the world with a very prominent religious heteronormative heteronormative. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is getting better in like, let's say the counterculture, subcultures, different things like that, which is great. I love seeing cities progress, but there still is that kind of like you know, lead foot of religious uh, stigma on top of the city. Yeah. And this is one of the things I think really interesting because trad wife may as well have been something that's always existed in this city in one form or another. We're not seeing it on social media it's until not recently. Trending it's in not Utah trending. because it's it Utah. is the norm in Utah. It really is. Yeah. It really is. Modest dresses, modest shorts. There are stores here. You there are store here. <laughs> Yeah. In the mall, in shopping centers that are literally literally called modest clothing, modest shorts, modest dresses. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there I'm going to say kind of like a Protestant feeling thing that you would expect to see in the Bible Belt or whatever. Uh -huh. But that is just life here in yeah. this state. It's very normal. Like, it's not even abnormal to hear that. 
Um, you know, it's not abnormal to have your neighborhood full of a lot of stay at home moms and like kind of running the HOA and like running the PTA. Like that is a huge, like my neighborhood. (laughs) Right. I saw the minivans aligned. I'm just kidding. Um, but it, so it's not rare. And so that's why I was like, what is this? You know, and you kind of sent me some hashtags and I was like, what, this is normal for us, but I'm kind of seeing where it's like this other movement. Right. Which looks like a counterculture in other places outside of Utah. That's their counterculture. And here's my question. Yeah. This is something that you think has been rooted in social media. Mm-hmm. This isn't something that people are just seeing on the street or seeing at the shopping center or the grocery store and be like, oh, look at that woman. I would love to understand what her life is. I would under- like to understand why she's choosing to dress like a 50s housewife, why all the kids are like in pastel clothing and being homeschooled. Yeah. I would expect, because of the research I did, that these kind of trends were seen in more like religious communities. If you've seen the documentary about the Duggar family, this is what they do. And that whole religious culture, I feel that they're between like the red pill groups, between all these, uh, let's say, masculine and ultra feminine cultures that we see on social media, they've tapped into, I'm going to say, a subconscious part of the human brain that registers to social media, that registers to TikTok videos and Instagrams and Etsy posts of like, decorate your kitchen like a 50s kitchen. Yeah. And that's the back door into creating. It's weird saying it's a counterculture because in this modern day, it feels like it, but they sell it off as a return to values. And that's the part where I Family feel it's, values. that's where I feel it's like tricky and kind of sticky. That is where like a lot of religious, um, you know, bases off of, of like family values and we'll bring you closer to your family. Right. And they get you with that. Like you'll be with your family forever. And so they're, they're seeing this, but the data <laughs> and um, like the research out there. Life satisfaction mm-hmm. is higher in working women than stay-at-home women. So there's so that's just yeah. one one thing. But so I'm like, okay, so be careful with what you hear. And it sounds great, but I'm hearing traditional. Like, let's go ultra tradi- traditional. Traditional to what era? So let's give a definition to yeah. the listeners really fast. According to the standard definition, a trad wife for a traditional wife or traditional housewife in recent Western culture, typically denotes a woman who believes in practices of traditional sex roles and marriage. Many trad wives believe that the practice does not sacrifice women's rights by choosing to take a traditional role in marriage. Some may choose to leave careers to focus instead on meeting their families' needs in the homes. So this they're is leaving their careers. They're leaving though. their careers. Yeah. Let's start but, there. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna get into something a little yeah. bit later because I think it kind of goes into this, but. Diane and I are really big of you do you. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. yeah, this works for you. This works for people. Go ahead and do it. Um, I think it's a recruitment tool, mm-hmm. in my personal opinion. But if that is what you need in your life, if you feel lost and this is your path, okay, you do you. I think it's dangerous for a lot of people because a lot of people do feel lost. And just like incel groups and alt-right groups and things like that, that's who they look for when they start bringing people into this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. My biggest thing about this, though, is they are going after women who are so young. 
Yes. That's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing. Like the the red pill groups and these anti-feminist groups online, they are trying to tell you that feminism is a lie, that it's a trap, that they are trying to destroy the family by putting women in the workplace and and creating all these false expectations. And that by the time you're 30, 35, you're going to wish that you had this traditional wife role. And that might be true for some people. But you don't even have a chance to experience life and make mistakes. And so what they do is they throw the every woman is a hoe vibe at you. Mm. And ruined. And they ruin themselves. And they ruin their abilities to have love and compassion for men because the higher their body count, the less they can actually bond with another human being. And they throw like backwards data at you to make it sound like, oh, they've done their research. And at the exact same time, you get this movement booming up. Mm-hmm. And so if all of the influencers that are doing this stuff weren't so young, I would say that, okay, well, this is just a cool little trend, but they're young, they're attractive, they're blonde and bubbly very very white <laughs> it's it's, a, it's interesting you know it's a socioeconomic it's a privilege it's a right. privileged position they're taking of course they can stay home when they have a spouse who's working and has makes enough money to hold a household income for the two of them and right. maybe a family so um you got to watch for some of these things that can be wrapped in this beautiful traditional or like family values and simpler ways you hear a lot of things like that that Mm -hmm. come out but be careful because when you're saying how young these women are they don't have lived experience they probably don't have a built-in support system from friends from other world views from hearing from other different cultures from people who have different very different viewpoints on you know even looking at like urban to rural yeah looks very different so that was one study I did look at, you know, stay at home uh, wives had higher life satisfaction in general. Um, sorry, working women had right. higher life satisfaction until you um, look at different areas, rural versus urban. Right. And some rules say that they have higher life satisfaction. Their life isn't as busy. Right. They don't have all these other needs. They don't, you know, aren't going to. 10,000 shopping malls that are right down the street, right? Yeah. So it's like, I'm not spending as much money. But what's going to be really interesting is we're all from home. Social media is from home. So we have our social network and I'm mm-hmm. going to quote that. And then we can shop online and everything. So different things are like now in this, you know, 2020 era, it's going to be very interesting to kind of watch these life satisfaction and yeah. other things like that. But that was something I was kind of looking at like, okay, I get it. Um, that sounded wonderful. Early 20s, I would have totally done that and signed right. up for that. Right. Yeah. And the interesting thing, too, about the research that I did, you know, they say that it is a movement composed largely of Christian, conservative, millennial, and Gen Z women who are leaning out of the workforce and into homemaking. This decision is not primarily logistical or economical. Instead, it's philosophical. I mean, we already we already know about how long is religion. this going to last? <laughs> right, we already know about how religion is super mm-hmm. influential, and I'm going to say it, it definitely has a sense of mind control. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of brainwashing. There's a lot of stuff like that that most people are willingly allowing themselves to be a part of and practice and preach, 
And again, you do you. If religion works for you, if it keeps you from being lost, excellent. I know a lot of very religious people who have very productive, healthy lives because it keeps them from maybe pursuing activities that would ruin their lives. Absolutely. But at the same time, some of the most despicable people I know are highly religious people. Yeah. (laughs) You You know, know, religion can be a protectant factor against, you know, poor choices and other things. Yeah. But there's always that a spectrum on that. And so you have to be so careful. Why are you there in that religion? I think what's scary on this is what you were saying. It's keeping folks ignorant of other things that are going on in the world around them. Um, Interestingly enough, women will stay in abusive relationships longer if they don't have financial means. Yeah. So you could be, you know, so having a career, having an ability to work is a protectant factor against long-term abuse. One of the interesting things too, and I was reading this as a research for another episode about why women stay in abusive relationships. And I'm not saying that trad wife relationships are No, not are at all, but abusive. it has a potential. They have potential because you are now attaching yourself to an ideology that is very male-dependent. Yes. Yeah. I, I heard that it's something like 70% of abusive relationships, one of the main reasons why a woman stays is also because they have nowhere to take their pet. They have nowhere to put their stuff they are afraid of like, you know, what to do with the kids because they can't afford to put their kid in daycare on their own. And there's mm-hmm. the process of the the legal aspects of how long is going to take for child support and all that kind of stuff to kick in. And even that isn't any guarantee of me being sufficient on my own. Right. All that pressure is on the woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the stuff that you hear online when these red pill groups is how terrible divorce is for men. And I'm not going to lie. There is a lot of factors that go against men in divorce. I was a victim of one of it, but it's so easy just to say, okay, women get a free pass. Women get a free ride. And part of this trad wife movement that bothers me is that it locks them in Mm -hmm. and it makes them dependent, dependent on it. They're absolutely 100% dependent. Um, my husband has some very strong views on this. I was reading some of this and he was just like, fuck no. <laughs> He's just like, I have zero respect for a woman who doesn't, um, hasn't ever worked mm-hmm. and doesn't ever plan to work. It's one thing when you're raising small children and that is a financial choice that you made as yeah. a couple mm-hmm. because it made way more sense for me to go to school full time when our kids were little and me stay home. And then as soon as my our youngest was going into kindergarten, I went to work full time. Like it right. worked so well for us. Granted, I had, you know, I was able to earn a master's degree during that time. And it was really wonderful. But I was still in school full time. I was still like not just a homemaker, right. like in a traditional sense. And so um, we have another couple of people we know and uh, like the sense of purpose and some of these women are very skewed. Yeah. Like, cause they just, that once their kids go to school full time or like start leaving the home, what have you done your entire life? I, and that's something that we hear about your accomplishment in Utah all the yeah. time because, you know, you got married at 19. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone that we've had on this show, every female guest on this show got married at 19. I was 18, my first marriage. Your first marriage, 18. <laughs> okay. In their teens. Yes. And especially when we talk about like the, 
the Brigham Young University missionary dynamic where it's it always interests me how many women go to BYU and get degrees and end up doing Never nothing anything. with them. Never. No, yeah. One of one of my best 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 friends growing up. She was an amazingly intelligent person, valedictorian. Went to BYU, went to law school, got all these degrees and did nothing with them because she was married at 22, mm-hmm. you know, and that was it. Babies, family, and that was it. And I asked her, like, are you regretful? She's like, no, I feel so educated. I feel so grateful for that opportunity. And I yeah. know so many things. And you maybe when my option. kids are grown, I might go do something with it. But she was happy and content with just being a mom. Yeah. And so I, sometimes I feel like we project disappointment on people that make that life decision. Right. And I was totally guilty of it. I'm like, you wasted your life. She's like, my life's not over yet. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I have, I'm so guilty of posing judgment on someone who I know who has a degree and they're not using it, yeah. you know, mainly women, wives, mothers. And then I'm like, you know, you get a pass because you still have one kid not in school yet, yeah. you know? And then I'm all, when that kid goes to school, I'm going to be watching you. And that's so terrible. <laughs> of me. But I've noticed I have this belief because I fucking hustle. Like yeah. I work my butt off and I love it. I love that sense of accomplishment. I love that what is mine is mine and I can stand alone on my own. We can absolutely live very comfortable on one income, but we like, it's just, I love to see a measurable impact that I have on my marriage and my home life. Something else that's measurable that we have for the more women who don't work so who are not non-working, mm-hmm. they actually expand the pay gap. Mm-hmm. So the less women we have in the work field, the bigger that pay gap gets. Right. Because then we have more male dominate, dominated fields. We have more stigma on like working mothers or like just working women in general, because it's like, why are you working? You shouldn't, you should be staying home. So then there's this belief that you should be the one that sacrifices your days mm-hmm. And, and everything. And so it's just, it actually hurts yeah. that pay gap. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I'm saying I'm blaming those people, but it's just like, let's start asking ourselves those questions. Like, what is the long-term impacts if we had more people, more women? And we're talking about very, you know, the traditional um, uh, heterosexual couple, married couple right. in the United States. And so that's where it's kind of like, are there impacts? Right. It's hard for me not to judge you and hold you <laughs> accountable because your choice to dress up in, and, you know, you're you're playing house. You're, you're playing, playing house. house. So this is the other part, too, when we were talking about uh, the men doing all the work and stuff like that. Let's not forget that for some people, for some people who amass giant audiences, that becomes a career. Right. It does. So when I look at some of these trad wife influencers that literally have millions of followers, because you and I know how social media works. We know how podcasting works. We know all that dynamics. They are making money off of this, too. So that is kind of a career. So it's kind of a false narrative, in my opinion. Absolutely. And that's where things get sticky. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like a capitalism thing where it definitely here in Utah, we've talked about this, where. For some reason, the religious people here think that money and status erases everything. Like Mm -hmm. for somehow, if you are a very wealthy politician or let's say tech guy or finance guy, 
and you are religious, somehow that success has raised your closeness to God and you are looked on with a higher favor than a hardworking, righteous person that has a hard time making ends meet. It's weird. Look at the church leaders in the Mormon church. They're all business owners. They're all entrepreneurs. They're all all over the news right now. Yeah. So like, okay, this is interesting. I mean, some of the wealthiest wards and stakes out there, you know, it's just, uh, gets a little gross. I won't go into too much detail. So that's why I start thinking when, you know, these really conservative people start looking at this, they're not looking at the finances behind it, where a lot of these influence to me, I feel it's just a game. I feel that it is an act. I feel that it is a way to build status, to build likes and followings and build their financial footprint in social media. Mm-hmm. And the people who fall for it and want it, especially the guys, because there is something that the guy at the very beginning of this video said that really disturbed me. And he said, it's become fetishized. Yes. That's what I was like. Ooh, I get it. I would love a fucking housewife. Are you kidding me? (laughs) If I could have someone and that's, I've always joked around with my husband. I'm like, the only reason I'm super interested in, and like uh, uh, you dating someone else or whatever is like, maybe I can have a like a sister wife and she could stay home and right. watch the kids. And of course, that sounds amazing. And then realizing that when we start fetishizing it, mm-hmm. it's not rooted in realism. Mm-hmm. It's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. It's an act. It's a, you know, like, a, that's what I'm saying when I say play house. Like, it's not that I'm, like, super disrespectful of somebody who chooses to do that and it works for them. But it's, that's not, when you say traditional, it can't even be traditional anymore. Right. Because when, you know, let's say we're comparing it to the 1950s. Mm-hmm. When your social group probably was in your town. Right. It was not Otherwise. national, international yeah. audiences, mm-hmm. Right. And now with blogging and social media and other things, it's an international, you know, national phenomenon. And you do have information at your fingertips. You are choosing to ignore it. And the last choosing part about to be this, ignorant. Yeah. And the <laughs> ignorance leads into my last point about this, mm-hmm. because I like I like to give I'm not going to say free passes, but I do like to give the license of let's say not holding people accountable at face value of what this feels like, right? One of the things that bothers me about this is, okay, on screen, on paper, it does sound like we're just trying to, you know, support our men, enhance femininity, uh, you know, spread the message that we were lied to with feminism, that we didn't have to be career girls, that we didn't have to have education, that it's okay to be a housewife and stuff like that. In a way, I'm kind of totally cool with that. Again, where things get sticky with this is how we were talking about the alt-right movement is kind of sneaking in on this because common hashtags in these trad wife influencers, and these are prominent hashtags, hashtag feminism sucks, hashtag conservative women, hashtag two genders, hashtag domestic discipline. We all know how the algorithms work. You follow a video, hey, I like this. And then it starts taking you down the rabbit hole of what the hashtags and let's say other people's videos that have looked at. And it's really easy to get stuck 
in that rabbit hole. Those viewpoints now are your only viewpoints. Those right. worldviews are your only worldviews. And I think that's a huge piece of why I was like, I got to like take a break on social media. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm even really, really careful with the like news channels and things right. that I follow and articles I read. Um, because it can, you can start to have that, that bias that that's what you think the entire world thinks, because right. that's only thing that's being fed to you mm-hmm. because of algorithms and other things. And so I'm like, this is a choice to be ignorant and un- unaware of, you know, the privilege. If you're able to, to have just one income, my husband loves to say when he hears someone, you know, like, and, uh, we had a friend who was introducing someone else and I was like oh what do you do for work or what do you do now I've tried to word it as like what do you do with your day or most of your time or something because I want to be like open to some people who are choosing to stay at home and they can and they want to and they have a kid you know there's other responsibilities um but she was just like oh I stay at home and so my husband knew her and so he was teasing and he was just like, oh, so your husband works for you. <laughs> um, and and it is hard to see, you know, and understanding like I have someone I know who who she doesn't work and her they are very wealthy. Mm-hmm. They live in these gorgeous, gorgeous multimillion dollar home and she wanted to get hair extensions, which can be few hundred dollars to a few thousand depending on and he said no and so she's like I can't get this blah 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 I'm losing my hair like I just really don't feel pretty and all you know and she's already like obviously Instagram wife kind of thing like right right. so I had some interesting dynamic feelings and I was just like that sucks for you you are being controlled by money yeah that there is a lot of it Mm -hmm. and fucking go work then don't sit here and whine about it to me like I'm working my ass off and so I really struggled with that like (laughs) moment of like I wanted to protect my friend but I also wanted to slap her so I was like what the hell like you have this is a choice you've made um you know just like I have made the choice to work uh but I can still be there for my kids it can still be there and like 40 hours a week and I still have side jobs right and I'm still going to school full-time yeah and I'm still able to. It 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 can be it can be done. It can be. And you know, talk what? about discipline. People do it <laughs> at different points in their life, right? Yeah. And I think yeah, there's a season. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the last things about this is that I feel this generation and fads and trends and how quickly they move in and out of other things. Yes. I mean, by the time you reach your 30s, and for me, early 40s. You definitely recognize moments in your life where you thought that that was going to be you for the rest of your life. I'm going to be the Jinko wearing guy for the rest (laughs) of my life. Oh, now I'm wearing skinny jeans and Vans. You know, like you go through these different transitions. And I think one of the reasons why divorce rates are so high and stuff like that is because couples don't transition together because they don't communicate. Yeah. And this is one of those things where... I see the woman eventually growing out of this. Like you said, it's yep. really exciting to hear. Like, I mean, I don't have to work. Yeah. I can just cook. I can just do all this stuff on my own in the house. house would be care. pristine. Pristine. I would love it. I, I would be pristine. You know, of course, I'd have way more time to like right. work on myself. Um, All of those things I think are great benefits 
you have to weigh the drawbacks too. You can't be ignorant to the drawbacks. Right. And I love how you said it, it can be a trend. I would love to follow this social media, you know, influencer. Mm-hmm. See how much of the, or how long this lasts. What right. percentage of your life does this actually, I tried to look at research. I was trying to dig into some of the research to see the percentage of married women who have never worked in their life or the mm-hmm. percentage of time that they've worked in their adult life. I wasn't able to find it. Um, or it was like way back from the eighties and that's not, you know, real right now anymore. It that's anymore. not at all what we're at, at this point, but it was just very interesting. So I'm like, I know people who have seasons of their life and they were able to do this for a little bit of time. I would love to play this for, you know, like this would be a fun little year experiment. Right. I'll be it. I'll be your housewife. Your house will, you know, be gorgeous and everything. And you can buy all my spa days, but. <laughs> um. So I want your opinion. Yeah. Do you think this is a fad? Do you think it's for social media clouts or do you think that there is something like a little bit deeper and darker? Is this a seedling for something that is trying to change, let's say, the political and life structure of this country? Because these days, I, I try not to fall into conspiracies. I try not to fall into like what people are saying. And, you know, there's so many conspiracy theorists now these days, like everything just makes sense when you think about it. It, was, it makes sense to you because the world doesn't make sense. So anything that like sparks anything in your brain that is easy to follow becomes your new ideology, becomes your new thought path. And we've already talked about how that can be influential in people's thinking. So that, that's my biggest question. Is this a trend or is this a ceiling from some higher group, some higher knowledge, some higher influential mm. society? Well, politics in general. Politics in yeah. general. Politics is power. Yeah. What do you think? I see it's not a seedling. This has always been here. It's always been a root of okay. how the American okay. nation, right? Yeah. It is probably some shitty fertilizer that's going on to that mm. right now, mm. right? Because we've always had it. We just talked about Utah. It's always been an underlying yeah. thing that's there right now. But it wasn't this cool. Is, <laughs> yeah. People are trying to make it cool. And it's absolutely clout for social media because yeah. if it wasn't, she wouldn't be on there talking about it. Right. She wouldn't she have would, a phone. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And like you go ahead and be the traditional, but you're, you're getting followers. You know how much work it takes to make an edit a video? To I get was ready? just about that to say that. That is a fucking full-time job That's already. a full-time job. Yeah. Okay. So. So shut up. You are not. Shut up. <laughs> we yeah. ju- Diana and I just talked about this with her OnlyFans experiment and how much work it was. Stay at home, but you're still working the same amount. 40 hours, I bet. More. Yeah. More. She puts out like three posts a day and they're all beautifully shot. They're edited. They're scored. They're light. They have filters. Yeah. Don't tell me that you just did that while the pie was in the oven for 90 minutes. That shit takes time. Absolutely. I call bullshit. You're 100% right. (laughs) Yeah. I think. And I mean, just. Yeah. I'll stop there. So I don't go off on a tangent, but you are still working. And we even know from uh, data that non-income, yeah, so I should say stay at home, that's not bringing an income, they spend four to five times more online, women do, than and working, working women. women. Yeah. So they're still building that community. They're still trying to get out there. They're still doing something that is the same amount of effort as income working. Fascinating. Yeah.
This has been a controversial subject on this show, and I would love to hear your opinion on it. Here is our love guru for the day. Do not have female friends. The reason why is because it sends a signal that you are a guy who gets put in the friend zone and other women are going to pick up on that signal. And more importantly, it's going to jeopardize any future relationships that you have. What's going to happen if you have a female best friend and then you're dating a girl seriously? You think that she's going to be okay with you having a female best friend? And are you going to be okay with her having a male guy best friend? I don't think so. And then the other problem with this is that it's going to create a situation where you feel like you're in a relationship with a girl and you're hoping that this girl will become attracted to you, but you're wasting your time and your effort on this girl that is not a good prospect for you. I'm not saying don't talk to women that are not your sexual partners, but I am saying that for most guys, you should avoid female friends and instead look for guy friends. So first of all, he's riding bitch and <laughs> in the car. So I want to know who's driving. A woman driving. is driving. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Uh, a woman's driving the car. He's like, hold on, honey. I got to make this video. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious. Anytime I have a female guest on the show, what is your opinion on that, on female friends? Uh, don't control me. Um, I think it, it's very territorial. How many women are going out there and saying, don't date guys with female friends? a lot on social media, but that's the thing. The ones that we're seeing are affiliated with these red pill guys and Mm. with these uh, feminism sucks groups. This is one of the things that I've been talking about for a long time. And we kind of mentioned it on the last visit where I feel that people who are rooted, let's say in logic or emotional intelligence and security of their own personalities and their own wants, needs, and desires, they don't have time to create content all day. No. They're busy. Yeah. They're interacting with people, and they're not living their life behind a lens. That's my thing. You know, yeah, I have a video podcast, but this literally is four hours of my week. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I think that's a big thing is the social-emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Like, are you aware of the dynamic that you're creating when you have an opposite-sex friend? Let me ask you. How many lesbians do you know have a really good close knit of straight women friends? Excellent point. Not a many. <laughs> um, or, you know, gay men. And do they have a close knit group of heterosexual straight- yeah. friends? Yeah. I mean, okay. M- my best male friend is a gay man, but I've known him since high school before he came out. But we always knew he was gay. And, uh, I think that's the exception to the rule. I think in many ways I am an exception to the rule. That's why I feel confident speaking on this podcast. You and Diana, your dynamic, we can say that that goes against the grain. I have so many and I have grown up with more guy friends and closer best guy friends than I have women. There's nothing that was like alarming when I met men and then I was like, oh yeah, here's my best friend, you know, Matt or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, it was more of telling if they were jealous um, or like it was a great, great red flag for me. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, if you don't like it now, you're not going to like it later. And this yes, is who I am. 100%. And so it's like, thank you for telling me who you are. And if you're insecure enough about yourself to not let your person have friends, I am, I am bisexual. Mm-hmm. I am friends with a lot of lesbians. I'm friends with a lot of straight men guess what? I'm friends with them. You know, Mm -hmm. like, it's just so funny how it's like, so wait now, because I'm bisexual, I shouldn't have friends with gay women Mm -hmm. either. 
and including straight men, like now you're like, I have just this pocket. So if they have any sexual potential, I can't be friends with them. That is controlling. It's controlling. And I think it's it's interesting because one of these things that these guys like to say a lot is that men think with logic and women think with feelings. Ah. That's what they say. Mm -hmm. When it comes to this, though, it's not about logic. It's about sex. Yeah. Men think that everyone that's a dude wants to fuck everyone. And you know what? I'm going to say, okay, because your circle of friends think that way. Because you're predatorial. You're only as uh, good as the company you keep, is what I say. Yeah. And this is something that I've been talking about for a long time. And with all the stuff that's happening in in, in the media right now with celebrities, and I'll get to this in a second, it proves my point 100%. I've always had more female friends than guy friends. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you why. All of my guy friends in high school went through their predatorial phases that I wanted nothing to be a part of. It felt icky. It felt icky. It felt wrong. And the reason why is because they asked me to cover for them. Yeah. They asked me to, I mean, you're implicating yourself in their actions by willingly being a part of that group. So people are like, why don't you hang out with it? Especially Stephanie, who was on the show last week, my good friend. She's friends with all of her girlfriends from high school still. And she asked why I'm not friends with all of my guy friends from high school. Well, I'm not going to say all of them, but I'm telling you, everyone goes through a phase and that phase scared me mm. and I didn't want to be a part of it. So from like age 17, I started just developing friends with females. I was in drama. I was in acting. A lot of females in that group. Did I ever want to sleep with any of them? I'm not going to lie and say the thought never crossed my mind. I think that crosses everyone's mind. Did I ever do anything about it? Or was I ever waiting for my opportunity, like these dudes say with female friends? Never. Yeah. Never. Diana and I have been friends for 20 years, maybe longer. She friend zoned me early, early, early on in our like friendship relationship. And for me, that's a clue of like, okay, you don't see me that way. She didn't friend zone you. She put a boundary, a relationship boundary. Down. Okay, boundary is the perfect way to put it. Yeah. Friend zone is the way that the guys controlling. understand it. Yeah, very true. <laughs> because guys, for the most part, don't understand boundaries. But if you say friend zone, that's a word they totally understand. Because they say, oh, you're not a conquest that you're now off the table. You don't want to sleep with me? Yeah. I'm fantastic. Why, yeah. why wouldn't why I'm so nice? Every woman wants me. Yeah. Right. All of my female friends have always lived in that particular bubble where it's like, even if we came to a point where we wanted to cross the line, I honestly don't think I could do it. And I have examples of that. Yeah. Where it's just like, yeah, because, okay, you're more valuable to me as a friend than as someone that I could sleep with, grow emotions for, they're not reciprocated, and now I don't want to talk to you anymore. Yeah. Or it'll be so weird because I'm like, I can can separate sexual activity and emotional activity, but then I'm like... I know you too well, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know if I can just like and, bump uglies and be okay with it. And that's where Diane and I agree with this on each other. It's all about emotional intelligence and responsibility for your own emotions and your own actions towards people. And the guy that she dates, they hate that we have a podcast. I only see her like two or three hours a week when we do this podcast. It's it. Sometimes her daughter comes and watches the baby. We are not hanging out. We're not going to comedy clubs. We're not going to concerts. We're not doing friend things yeah but just the fact that i'm here is a problem for them it's just because it's foreign to them again because the only relationship you should have with a you know someone of the opposite sex is for you know sexual or you know intimate gain yeah it really is the only way 
But when you are able to have friendships with somebody of the opposite sex or somebody that you can potentially have, you get to learn about those people more, that you get to learn about their needs. You can find communication strategies better. Like I was able to learn so much about like just how men think and act and what kind of guy I was looking for because I had guy friends. Right. You know, and I'm like, ah, like I have more empathy for some of the male like lived experiences than I would if I only had intimate relationships with men or like, uh, you know, sexual relationships with men. Right. Since I've had friendships with men. I'm like, I, I have way more empathy for what you go through because I've been able to talk to you in a different way because you're not guarded. Yeah. Because you're not like, I can't see less than for my potential mate or whatever. Right. So. And like, just kind of circling back on that to put a pin in it is the whole Danny Masterson thing that's going on right now. You know, that 70s show actor spending 30 years in prison for sexual assault that his guy friends protected him for. And Ashton Kutcher's in hot water right now because he wrote letters to the judge saying, hey, please be easy on him. Mm. I know the guy. He's a nice guy. And yeah, maybe he's guilty, but he's always done these things. And now Ashton Kutcher's in hot water because he's he, always done these things. He's always done these things. And <laughs> Ashton Kutcher is the chief of a, a, a what's the best word? Uh, not an agency of a foundation that oh. protects people from sexual assault, children from sexual assault, and their spokesman, their chief, is defending a convicted sexual assault. Mm-hmm. That's the that's where I go back and say you're the company you keep. I can't remember who said it, but I heard someone say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I love it. And that's exactly what it is. Like yeah. You could literally have squeaky clean life on paper, mm-hmm. but when you look at what your friends have been up to and it's bad, People will start digging and they'll find something yeah. every single time. And so that's why I've kept better company. That's just the way yeah, I live. Yeah. So, you know what? If you don't want uh, guy friends or girlfriends of the opposite sex, that's fine. Like, because you're not going to be in my group. You know, right. like, I'm not going to be, we're not going to associate. We're going to be just more and more apart. And so you're going to see these two groups be louder and louder right. is one thing that you're going to see. Right. Yeah. And her group's a lot more fun. Well, this was a lot of fun. I'm excited for next week's topic because we're really diving into your realm. Okay. The one that you've got a lot more info on is practically what you do. And I got questions and hopefully you've got answers and maybe we'll learn something new and exciting or maybe we're going to make a lot of people sad. I don't know. Hopefully it's I'll all just about affirm. education. Confirm <laughs> and deny 100%. <laughs> All right. Well, this is a lot of fun. We will uh, get all of your socials and stuff on the next episode, but uh, go back and listen, everyone, to the previous episode that Mariah was on. We talked about just, you know, sex myths of Utah and cultures in Utah, and then we did some fun love guru roulettes, which when Diana's back, we'll definitely have you back for some of those. Those are a lot of fun. And everyone, we'll see you next week. 